As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When some people read a story, you feel like you're there. That was good, Lori. (laughs) I felt like I was there. Um, And it's an interesting place to be, right? We've been encountering Jesus through episodes in the New Testament, and now we encounter this one. And it's way different than the others. As a matter of fact, it's shorter than the others, and it's just different. If you were like me this week which I know you weren't, you were scouring through commentaries to try to find help to interpret this passage. And I'm telling you, some commentaries only had two paragraphs on this. Nobody talks about it much because it just seems non-theological and simple and on the surface, understandable. And I think it is. As a matter of fact, it almost seems a little bit like a family soap opera. You know what I mean? Doesn't it to you? One sister angry at the other for not doing the work. I I asked someone, I I periodically do this throughout the week. I'll ask somebody about the passage, people on staff and other people. What do you think of this passage? I'm about ready to preach on. I asked one person about this passage, and the person said to me, Martha was a good woman, and I think she got a bad rap. And furthermore, I think we ought to have a Martha club at church. (laughs) And then she indicted herself by saying, and I think me and about five other people would be a part of it. Man, she had a serious notion about this passage. Now, wait a minute. Don't you too? Isn't that your visceral reaction when you read this passage? Jesus, back off. Why are you telling this woman not to do what she's doing? Somebody's got to make the food. For crying out loud, work is good and she's doing good work for you, Jesus. Okay, maybe you don't think that, but I did. I I have all my life, honestly. When I read this passage, I wonder, Jesus, why were you so harsh? But surely there's some deep meaning in this passage that um, maybe we need to consider. First, just a reminder of the story. Uh, The story is basically this. Jesus had been teaching and preaching all over the countryside, right? As a matter of fact, he'd been in big-time ministry. He was very, very busy. He'd been doing things like teaching about the kingdom of God. He had been doing things like healing people of leprosy. He'd been doing, doing things like healing a paralytic and healing the blind and casting out demons and raising the dead. And then this story. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Was Jesus just exhausted? Perhaps so. The story unfolds, of course. Martha is busy doing what Martha does. 
As a matter of fact, that was what was expected of her as the woman of the house. More than that, that's where a woman got her entire identity in this first century Palestine location. Maybe not so much today, but back then it was true. She was doing her business. She was doing her best. And her sister Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. So I see it happening like this. I see Martha walking back and forth and back and forth while Jesus is teaching and Mary just sitting there listening. And Martha says, I can't take it anymore. And she spats it out. Jesus, will you please tell my sister to help out around here a little bit? And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you're busy about a lot of things, but there's something more important than you're doing. Something more important than your busyness. Mary's tending to those things. And in effect, she's blessed because of it. That's the story. It's that simple. So what's going on in the story? Well, first, let's acknowledge something. We know this, right? Jesus knows the motivation of the human heart. Like we think we can read people. Jesus could, straight through. So whatever he said to Martha and Mary has to be seen through that lens. He knew something about Mary and her motivation and her busyness. And so he addressed her heart. Second thing that's interesting about this passage is Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. We don't think that's a big deal. But it was huge. Because rabbis only let certain people sit at their feet to learn from them. It was a seat of honor to be able to sit at the feet of a rabbi and listen. They would never, underline never three times, never allow a woman to sit at the feet of a rabbi. Period. End of sentence. Mary is sitting in an exalted position at the feet of Jesus. Jesus not only allows it, he endorses it and says that's exactly where she needs to be. Do you understand? No, we don't because we haven't been there. How incredibly revolutionary the story is. He's turning upside down society's norms. And he's endorsing a woman who sits at his feet to listen. Now, so Martha is busy going back and forth, and she looks at Mary time and time again, not doing anything but listening, and what's her motivation? Only the Lord knows, but I got to wonder, maybe was it jealousy? Maybe was it, that's not fair. She's sitting in an exalted position. She needs to know her place, like I understand my place, and get back here in the kitchen. Maybe. We don't know for sure what Martha's motivation was, but we know a little bit from what Jesus said. There's something else, too. Whenever you uh, read the story, if you're like me, you get to that point where Martha says, Jesus, won't you tell her to stop and come help me? And you want to say, Jesus, don't get into the middle of this. Bad idea. Family dynamic that's going to explode on you. Be wise, Jesus. Wait a minute. <laughs> Telling Jesus to be wise, you come up on the short end of the stick every time. So, 
Bob just put a cork in it. But that's my reaction. You don't want to go there. You know what? It reminds me of Jesus. Always goes there. He goes to every hard place. He steps into every life situation. He doesn't worry about what it's going to stir up. He's got something to say, and we need to listen. So on this occasion, he steps right in to the quagmire. I want you to notice something else about this. Jesus doesn't demean work with this comment. He doesn't say, Martha, what you're doing is unimportant. I mean, somebody's got to fix the meal, right? Somebody's got to make the dinner. That's not what he said. You know, if somebody wasn't making the dinner everywhere Jesus went, he'd be having to multiply the loaves and the fishes for every meal. And then we'd get complacent and just expect it, and we wouldn't call it a miracle anymore. We need Martha's. And Martha was doing her work, and Jesus doesn't really demean her work. No, he says something else. He basically says, Martha, I don't want you to make a big deal. I don't want you to make a big meal. I want you to be simple and sit with me. See, maybe Jesus is saying, Martha, I'm exhausted. I don't want hustle and bustle. I don't want something huge. I just want a cold drink of water. And I want to be with you. Martha, this is an invitation. Stop. It's okay. Just be with me. Maybe that's what it was. An invitation. An invitation to get your priorities straight in this moment. There's other times we're cooking big meals. This isn't one of them. Be with me. I love this story, even though it's short, because it reminds me of the fact that we've all been there. On one side or the other, perhaps on both sides. You, like me, have been there. What's unfortunate about us is that we give lip service to our priorities in life. And for most of us who are devoted followers of Christ, we give lip service to prayer and scripture reading and the spiritual disciplines. And in reality, we are a little bit more like Martha. When push comes to shove, we don't have time for that. We push that one to the side. If we push it to the side, it demonstrates something on our calendar. It's not as important. I've said on occasion that everyone who is a Christ follower ought to commit themselves daily to a time of prayer and reading of the Scripture and some kind of devotion. And I used to say, you're all different. It doesn't matter when, just choose a time. And then recently I've said to myself, no. If you want my honest opinion, you begin the day that way. Even if you're a morning person, just wake up a little earlier. Set the day right by time alone with Jesus. Make it a priority as much as anything on your calendar. I grew up in a wonderful Christian home and my my father was a prince of a man. He's passed away now and what I'm about to say seems to memorialize someone who's gone. And to a certain extent it is, but it's true. And for those who knew him, they they would know what I mean. 
Dad had all kinds of great strengths and weaknesses as well. He was by no means perfect. But I remember something every single day of my life. I would get up early in the morning because I had a job before school. Six o'clock, I would eat breakfast with my father, and he would prepare the breakfast for me. Before anybody else was up in the house, it was just me and him. And I would get up for breakfast, and no matter when I got up, no matter when I got up, my dad would be in the same place, walking the floor in our living room, back and forth, praying. That's a lasting memory of my father every single morning. Now, let me add to this. He was a busy man. He had lots to do. College presidents are kind of busy. But he refused to begin that day with all its busyness without pausing to be with the Lord. It's a memory that has impacted my life, a memory that I've tried to emulate never as well as he has. I say that to say this. My dad put first things first. He had his priorities straight. Sometimes we say what's important, but our lives tell a different story. So let's put first things first. Second thing uh, I notice uh, when I say we've all been there is this. We've all been in that place where we look down on the other. Whether you're a Mary or a Martha, right? It's the difference that annoys you. If you're a Martha, you're irritated by the fact that that person's so contemplative, they're not getting around to the work you think they ought to get around to. And if you're a Mary, you're saying to yourself, why are they so busy doing everything? We need to stop and be present. And somewhere in the middle, we lose it, don't we? We lose the appreciation for the other. We lose the appreciation for, really, the diversity of the gifts and personalities in the body of Christ. Look, every time we have an event around here, we usually have it out in the gathering space. We roll out the tables. We put out the chairs. And when we're all done, we call, will everybody help us put these chairs and tables back? And a bunch of people do. And I want to tell you something, they're always the same. It's always the same people. Because they're doers. They're Marthas. You know what? There's another group of people in that gathering space. They're the last ones out the door. Not because they're working, but because they've been talking. The entire time. Now you might say, ah, there you go. There's an example of the way things ought to be. Be a Mary, not a Martha. Be a Martha, not a Mary. No. Appreciate the other. But in the moment... I think you'll know it when the moment arrives. Prioritize things. There's moments where it's just not as important to do things, but to stop and be. I remember when my daughter lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We'd go up to see her periodically. It's a nine-hour trip. And um, when we got there, we always had this long list of things to do. I mean, I would always, first thing I'd do is check the car. Be taking it over to Jiffy Lube to get the oil changed because I knew she hadn't. Be taking it over to get the tires rotated because I knew she hadn't done that. I'd begin, and I can remember on more than one occasion, 
getting a phone call from one of them saying, where in the world are you? We want to just sit down and eat as a family. Well, I had my priorities. I had to get that car fixed. And they wanted me. I'm not going to let my wife off the hook because she had some of the same habits. She'd be busy in the kitchen and cleaning the house because she didn't think it was clean enough. And sometimes my daughter would say to her, Mom, would you please stop doing and just sit down and be with me? We only have a little bit of time. Wow. Why can't we hear that well? Why can't we see it before we walk into it? Sometimes we just need the other, don't we? There's another thing I want to remind us of. Sometimes we think that the Marthas of the world are the ones that are making all the money and running the business and doing this and that, and the people who are in ministry, oh, well, they're the Marys. Not really. Because people in ministry and in public service of all sorts can find a really high priority for the ministry and service to others and neglect the ones who are closest to them. They too can get their priorities out of order. I know about that. I've done it. You might say to yourself, well, look, I've, I've made a huge sacrifice for my family. I turned down this job, I did that, I, and they ought to remember it. All that proves is that you just don't understand. It's not about what you did one time. It's about how you're present now. Putting first things first, I... Um, I want to tell you one more story about my dad. Promise is the last one. When I was just a little guy, um, my dad was very devoted to uh, going to a prayer meeting on Sunday afternoon. Every Sunday afternoon, he'd walk out of the house and join people for prayer. One Sunday afternoon, um, he said he walked uh, through the living room to go out the door. And he looked over at me, and I was just a little guy back then, and probably my brothers, if they were both born by that time, we were asleep in a nap or something. And he said, I was just sitting on the couch entertaining myself quietly. And he said, but I was prompted by the Spirit of God. He seemed to be speaking to me and saying, it's not time for you to go to a prayer meeting. It's time for you to be with your son. So he stopped. And he said to me, Bobby, let's go somewhere. Man, I was off the couch in a second. That was great news. I was bored. And off we went into the woods. We just took a walk in the woods on a Sunday afternoon. And we came upon a great big mound of sand. There was a lot of sand in Florida, but this one was big. And he indulged my childhood fantasies. As I looked at it and said, that must be an ancient Indian burial ground. Probably wasn't, but that was okay. (laughs) He was with me. I've never forgotten that day. It stays with me, etched into my memory. On that day, he heard something. And he realized it was time for his son. We need balance, don't we? We need to get the work done. And we need to be in relationship with our Lord and with others. And it's not enough to say, well, I'm a Martha. This is what I do. Or I'm a Mary. I contemplate. No, God calls us to balance, to correct us. 
Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, okay, this is too hard. How in the world am I supposed to be balanced? I am intuitively unbalanced. I do more of this than that. How in the world can... You know what? Don't be overwhelmed. Because perfection is impossible. But discipleship is not. Perfection says, I've arrived. Here's the pinnacle. That's me. Discipleship says, I'm committed to a journey. Always learning. Always following. So, what's the advice? Know yourself. Know your tendencies. You probably could identify for yourself which direction you naturally lean toward. The Martha or the Mary. And allow those tendencies to be called into check. And modify them. Oh, I I should modify something I said. Know yourself? You can't really. That's why the other is so important. You need a family member, a friend, or a member of the body of Christ to say, no, you're not seeing yourself correctly. You need to do some leaning this way. Listen to it. It's part of discipleship. Follow Christ. In the moment, ask God for discernment and live as Jesus lived. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these uh, wonderful, simple stories of faith where we get an insight into someone's life who really loved you and was devoted to you, and Mary and Martha both were. As a matter of fact, they're important figures in the history of your life as the Lord of the universe. Um, You came down and they were your special friends along with their, their brother, Lazarus. They appear many times in Scripture, and, and you love them, it says. And you love them in their difference, Lord. You, you loved Martha, the worker. You loved Mary, the contemplative one. And no doubt, Lord, you gave counsel to both. We have counsel for one. We know, Lord, that none of us are perfect, and we never will be. So let us not be overwhelmed by the goal of perfection, but let us step into the joy of discipleship so that knowing you and loving you, we follow, and that in loving you and following you, we learn and we're transformed by the truth that you impart to us. We thank you, Lord, for these lessons that are so wonderful in Scripture, and we thank you for the body of Christ, which helps us to grow into the full stature of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord in whose name we pray. Amen.